How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Locked on Bucks, presented by Brewhoop.com. Welcome back to another edition. And today we are brought to you by SeatGeek. Download the mobile app for the easiest way to buy tickets. We also have a promo code. Enter L-O-B-U-C-K-S. That's Locked on Bucks, L-O-Bucks, uh, to get a $20 rebate on your first purchase. And today we're really excited because not only do we have a sponsor and an offer for you, but we also have a special guest. I'm Frank Madden from Brewhoop.com. I'm joined by, as always, Eric Name. And today we also have the senior NBA editor at Fansided, as well as the editor-in-chief of the Harwood Paroxysm Basketball Network, Mr. Ian Levy. How are you doing, Ian? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for having me on. Great. And this is actually, uh, we were just joking, this is a return visit for Ian. And uh, if, if any, I think if anybody can recall uh, Ian's first visit, you get bonus points for, uh, for uh, Brew Hoop podcast loyalty because uh, our dear friend Steve Von Horn talked to Ian in, uh, I just looked it up again, it was in December of 2011, Brew Hoop podcast number 14, and uh, the Bucks had just signed Mike Dunleavy from this was like you know three teams ago for mike dunleavy so mike was coming over from the pacers uh ian uh i mean now you're now you're uh, you know everything about every team ian but at the time uh we thought of you as more of a pacers uh writer and uh and so your expertise on mike dunleavy was very much appreciated so uh so thank you for for coming back five years five years after <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry it took so long i must have really <laughs> stunk it up last time my my uh effusive praise of dunleavy must have turned some people off well we were just joking on the last podcast um eric and i were talking about the uh the great history of bucks free agent signings and how you know the 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 easy two obvious good signings the bucks have made over the years were mike dunleavy and zaza pachulia which of course the pachulia deal was was widely panned i think the the dunleavy one had uh had better reviews at the time but um i think history showed that uh that your your praise for mike dunleavy was well founded so um so you know we just had to let it marinate for a few years just to make sure that uh <laughs> But look, so uh, Ian, you are uh, a great and versatile writer. You've written for for many different sites, and you know you know the NBA up and down. Um, you do great stuff with analytics. Uh, I'm sure many people have, are familiar with your stuff from Nylon Calculus. I'm gonna try to. We're not gonna probably get into that stuff directly. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to talk a little bit more about the Bucks, and I'm sure you're. Uh, analytics savvy and and all that stuff will will bleed into some of this but we'll we'll kind of shelve that maybe for you know five years from now when you're on for a third time <laughs> um but uh i wanted to start off maybe just in general we're, we're now in august we we just had the uh landmark signings last week uh or or reported landmark signings last week of jason terry and steve novak uh thus rounding out the bucks roster uh so we had it away we had to wait to bring you on obviously but for those deals to get uh, to get finalized but um you know looking at a kind of where we are now and obviously we don't know what might happen with um with a greg monroe signing uh potentially or it's not signing but greg monroe move potentially kind of tying up the uh, the offseason but you know kind of where the bucks are now where they were a few months ago i mean i don't know what's kind of your you know 
outside expertise, uh, outside reaction to uh, to the Bucks summer and kind of where they are now versus where they were at the beginning of the summer? Um, I think they quietly got a lot better. I think Delavadova and uh, Teletovic especially are going to be are going to be really important to them um, this season. Uh, just just having that extra outside shooting on the floor, you know, last season the offense was so starved for spacing and uh, and starved for that that you know added boost of of efficiency from from three point shooting. Um, and neither of those guys is a world beater. Neither of them is you know a, a terrific all around player, but um, they sort of with their shooting and uh, acknowledging all their other sort of limitations, I think they really fit in perfectly. Um, and I think the, yeah, I think those, both of those signings are going to really pay off big. When you take a look at those moves and I guess kind of the internal development of the bucks as well, where do you think they fit in, in the Eastern conference? Are, are they a playoff team next year? Are they near the top of the Eastern conference, the bottom of the Eastern conference? Where do you think they fit in? I think they're probably a fringe playoff team uh, next season. Um, I just pulled that up to look. It's sort of in that uh, – we're still like that spot in the summer where everything's you know, very hypothetical and, and touch and go. But um, I don't know. I think, I think probably the, the Heat are not a playoff team next year. And uh, if I look at the rest of the teams that made the playoffs last year, I think maybe the Hawks would be another team that I could see sliding out. Um, so then uh, I'm not wild about the Bulls. I'm not wild about the Knicks. Um, and so, you know, looking for a team that could slide up and, and take one of those two playoff spots, I think it's probably the Wizards, the Magic, or the Bucks. Um, and I, I really I like what the Bucks did this year. Um, like I said, that, it, you know, it's not just about Delavadova and Teletovic. It's about how that shooting is going to make things, you know, easier for Giannis and, and Jabari and, and everybody else on the team. Just want to take a moment to tell you about our title sponsor, SeatGeek. And I'll be honest, I'm really happy that SeatGeek is our title sponsor because their app is one that I've used for a long time and I've recommended it to family and friends. And so now I can recommend it to you, our listeners, as well. So buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to. And you know, sometimes the other ticket sites you get what you think is a good deal, and then you get to the final checkout page and they add a bunch of fees on top of it and suddenly the great deal doesn't seem so great. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that make it easier than ever for fans like you, like me, to buy and sell tickets. And if you go right now to SeatGeek.com, you'll find tickets to the Bucks preseason, the Bucks regular season. You'll find Packers tickets, Brewers tickets, whatever you want. If you're looking to go to Lambeau Field or the Bradley Center this year, or maybe you're living somewhere outside Wisconsin, you want to go see the Bucks at the arena closest to you, you can already start planning that out. Check out SeatGeek. Um, because look, they're going to do all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring you get the best possible deal. They do the work. You save time and money. It, it just makes sense. And look, SeatGeek also wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. So every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. Look for the green dots. Those are the best deals. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find those best deals that fit your budget. And best of all, right now, as a listener of the Locked on Bucks podcast, you can get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. And here's how you do it. You download the SeatGeek app. You go to the settings tab, you click add a promo code, and then you enter the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. L-O-B-U-C-K-S for Locked On Bucks. SeatGeek will then send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's really easy. So download the SeatGeek app, support our Locked On Bucks podcast, and enter that promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S today. 
And now, thanks, and we'll get back to the podcast. Yeah, and then you think about that. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of young guys. We've got you mentioned a couple of the new guys coming over. Who, you know, I mean, we kind of know what those guys are capable of doing. We're not, you know, I don't think the Bucks are was signed Matthew Delvadova, expecting him to get way better than what he was. Um, most of the guys that they've, you know, either re-signed like Miles Plumley or, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Toledovich, Delvadova. Uh, you know, Jason Terry, all these guys, I mean, you're kind of just signing them to sort of be who they have been. Um, so kind of when you look at the roster, I mean, maybe it's how those guys fit in or maybe it's that development side of it. But like, what would you kind of look at as sort of the big X factors on this team that might swing them from, you know, a team that finishes, you know, who knows, 10th, 11th, 12th or one that maybe actually gets into um, the playoffs. And, you know, again, I don't know what the ceiling might be for them, but obviously uh, the hope is that they can get back in, in, at least to the eighth seed and, and maybe a little bit higher. Well, Delvadova is interesting because I, I was looking up during the, the playoffs because I sort of didn't believe it, or uh, sorry, during the Olympics because I didn't really believe it, but you know, he's only 25, um, and I know he's a, a four-year player, and he's played a fair number of minutes for the Cavaliers, but I think there's, I don't know that he's necessarily a finished product. I think there's, uh, given some additional opportunities, I think there's space for him to, to maybe be a little bit more than, than he was in Cleveland. Um but I think the the challenges for them in putting it together is um, figuring out how to keep shooting on the floor. I mean, their their um, lineups are such a challenge for them. Um, He's sort of balancing offense and defense. How are they going to get rim protection on the floor? What are they going to do with Monroe, um, Giannis? If he's going to play point guard, is he you know is he really going to play point guard? Are they going to play? Um, are they going to play essentially a, an enormous lineup where he's also defending point guards and they're you know playing two wings and, and two bigs with him? Um, so I was just looking at some lineup data from last year. I, I didn't. I don't remember seeing a ton of those lineups, but it seemed like last year at the end of year end of the year even when Giannis was playing point guard he was almost always playing with somebody else who was actually defending the point guard whether it was Carter Williams or Bayless or Mayo um and so uh yeah I'm curious to see how that works out and, and how they you know how they sort of assemble all these pieces and then um you know the Parker seems like he's the biggest X factor. He's not, you know, he's he's been good, he's been okay, um, but he has not looked sort of like the the um, you know franchise changing star they were maybe hoping they were getting with that number two pick. Um, and so you know the kind of development they see from him this year, especially can he make a make a few more outside jump shots and stretch his range? I think um, you know those are kind of the limiting factors or the or the hurdles they'll have to get over. Yeah, I think the interesting thing with Giannis and. You know, he, I think they've been pretty clear, like they don't expect him to actually, you know, defend point guards. Um, mm-hmm. Although it is interesting because you could certainly play bigger lineups with him because just the general versatility that they have on, you know, in, especially on the wing. Um, and, you know, already Chris Middleton's basically defending smaller guys and probably ideally you'd want him defending as a shooting guard. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting. I mean, I, and actually, I mean, Eric and I, you know, we, we've kind of even gone the other way and saying like, well, you know, uh, how, how about like, sort of the quote-unquote small lineups, right? And, um, you know, right now they have, I wouldn't call it an embarrassment of riches at center, but they have a (laughs) lot of guys at center. Uh, And so there's sort of this interesting question, too, that we started to ask it last year. We really didn't see much of it because Jason Kidd seems to have a very clear preference for playing you know, basically one clear center. And Mm -hmm. the Bucks lineups are a little bit difficult because, you know, they don't really have 
sort of that like combo big guy. It's, you know, all these guys, I mean, John Henson played some power forward with Miles Plumley, but that's really not, you know, kind of his ideal usage, obviously. So it's basically you've got like three centers and then, you know, everybody else is kind of like combo forwards um, around those guys. But I think it'd be interesting to see if, if a guy like Giannis might play some center at some point. Um, and in part, that's just like our fascination with the idea of having a point center, I guess. <laughs> um, but, uh, but that could obviously give them some really weird potential looks. Um, but if they were able to do that, although, you know, then you might say, well, if you're doing that, then, you know, you're not necessarily playing to your strengths given, um, the wing spot obviously is, is, you know, the kind of two, three spots are really not a, a strength for them right now when you get past the, the kind of three big name guys. So, so I don't know, it, it could go probably a lot of different directions, but I think, um, what you mentioned is 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 an interesting thing there, um, and I think you know Eric, we've talked about that as well. That that difficulty of balancing the lineups um, when you know you obviously have these three guys that you want to keep at least one of them on the court at the, all times, preferably you know given the lack of depth at forward, maybe try to keep or or the two three four spots try to keep two of them on the court as much as possible. Um, but I don't know. I think that's going to definitely be a challenge that you know Jason Kidd and the coaching staff is going to have to try to figure out. The point center thing is really interesting to me. I wrote a piece, uh, I, I want to say maybe like two years ago, and just like uh, just sort of weird and playing with this idea. But um, it seems like there's this fascination, right? Like when you have a guy who sort of sits between a couple different positions, and they're a big body, and the uh, maybe sort of hint at the skill set to play a smaller position. So something like Giannis, where it's like he's got these incredible ball skills, he's got this this floor vision. You know, we could have a a seven foot point guard. Um, and so I think of that as playing down a position and it just seemed funny to me because it seems like there's just as many potential advantages and mismatches by going the other direction and, and playing up a position. And, um, instead of sort of like putting the size in a place where it maybe doesn't belong, it's like putting the skills in a place where you wouldn't normally expect to see them. So um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that idea of, of having Giannis play, um, you know, having Giannis play power forward or, or play center primarily, and then really, you know, spreading the floor with a smaller lineup around him. I think that's really interesting in theory, and I'm sure it would be interesting in practice. Um, I was just going to ask, I guess what, what are your takeaways from the point Giannis experience from afar? Cause I think obviously it's, it's a, it's a very uh, interesting topic, I think to Bucks fans, but they only hear it from, from Frank and I, and I know at times I've been, I've been called a Giannis hater cause I'm so hard on him and expect such great things out of him. And I guess from afar, what I'm sure you didn't watch every minute of every Bucks game because Wow, that would have been pretty brutal after the All Star break. But um, what what did you see in Giannis at point guard? Do you think that's a thing that can actually occur, or is it just kind of all right? He's going to be a playmaker from a forward spot, and, and that's going to be how it is. Um, I sort of think of it two ways, or I think there's sort of two ways you can look at it. Like, uh, so like on one hand, it. Um, it clearly was a shortcut to like overcoming some of his deficiencies. Like it was in many ways, it was like an ingenious solution. It was like, we don't have enough spacing. We've got this great player who can't really shoot. Uh, we'll just put the ball in his hands and then it doesn't matter, you know, that he can't shoot in terms of spacing the spacing, the floor. Um, and, 
it's sort of a simple and, and really like elegant solution. And so I think that paid huge dividends. Um, and then he was super productive, you know, the more they had the ball in his hands, sort of the more he, he generated. Um, but then I also see the other side of it that it, it, um, in some ways it, it maybe sells his development a little bit short. Um, you know, a guy like him who sort of has this this like limitless uh, physical profile and this potentially limitless skill set. You know, he could sort of be everything. And once you slot him into one thing, uh, and you say, "Well, he's gonna he's gonna be a point guard," it um, you know maybe that limits his development as a spot up shooter or some of these other mm-hmm. things that he would need to do to sort of be able to hit his hypothetical ceiling you know and sort of be the you know whatever the golden goose that he you know we can sort of imagine him as um once you start defining him as one thing he sort of necessarily has to let other things slide um so you know the the point Giannis experiment it certainly solved a problem for them at the end of last year it remains to be seen how much that that problem of a lack of shooting and a lack of spacing it still uh, manifests this year, you know, with Delavadova and Teletovic and some different lineups. Um, but uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, a, a short term. Maybe it's like a short term solution, and you're sacrificing something from his uh, something off his long term ceiling. Um, and, and I don't know that that's necessarily uh, exactly how it works out. But that was that was sort of how, what I was thinking as I was watching it. It, it's interesting because uh, I think the, the uh, sort of as he was playing sort of a offensive point guard role, it seemed like he was playing bigger defensively, which I kind of gets ties back to something you were kind of talking about earlier. You know, this idea of playing up a position, and so I think what you know and that was kind of overlooked a lot because of just the nomenclature. I think when people hear point guard, you know, there's, there's sort of this idea of oh, okay, point guard, yeah, you know, oh, well, it'd be great to have somebody that huge, you know, being able to switch on the perimeter and stuff. And it's like, well, you know, I mean, when they were playing the Wolves, you know, the Wolves had um, you know Jang and and Towns playing together, and I mean, Giannis was def- defending Carl Towns at times, right? And so it was this really interesting dynamic where he was sort of stretching big on the defensive end and then stretching small on the offensive end and uh, you know it, it kind of got funny because I think you know for the most part people I think generally Bucks fans in general would say like oh well putting the ball in his hands is just generally a good thing um, but I think the interesting question and it seemed like sometimes last year it was like almost like it was, it was like surprising kind of like how extreme it got. Now, Eric, I don't know kind of, you know, what your take would be on this, but you know, I mean, and, and fans, you know, like when Tyler Ennis would get in the game and Tyler Ennis would bring the ball up, uh, sometimes it'd be like, why is Tyler Ennis bringing the ball? Up? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it was like, this sort of like possessive, um, you know, like, like, uh, we were all, uh, you know, Giannis's overbearing parents at the, uh, kid's <laughs> soccer game, you know? And it's like, why aren't they passing to him? You know? Um, and and it is an interesting question because I think normally it's just sort of you think well you know put the ball in his hands that's that's that will help him develop his full skill set but um, but I think there is sort of maybe a question of you know can they work him around more and it doesn't mean that he's not the primary ball handler but you know do you get try to get him more uh, touches from you know the elbow can do you can you put him in different spots um, where potentially you know again you're you're kind of giving the defense different looks and. You know, again, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. He didn't seem to wear down from from handling the ball kind of all the time, basically last year. But uh, you know, sometimes it's kind of like so, sort of one of those questions. It's like, well, I mean, you know, sometimes like you don't and and teams didn't really pressure him that much on the ball, which I thought was interesting. Um, and probably because you can just 
pass over top if you try to throw an extra body at him. But uh, but it's sort of an interesting question. And, and you know, again, I'll, I, Eric, I was about to throw to you, and then I just kept talking for a while. But um, but it is sort of interesting to see how they kind of you know evolve his role and whether they do try to sort of try to put him in different positions um, offensively where he's not just being the point and maybe it's a bit more like you know in Cleveland where um, people don't really call LeBron a point guard um, but he obviously is a, a very focal part of, the, part of the offense well I mean that's the thing right so if you call him a point guard like that puts him in a pretty open-ended box like there are uh, you know myriad point guards who play the position completely differently um, and it seemed like last year point Point Giannis meant he had the ball in his hands a ton. He was bringing the ball up. You know, there was a, l- a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of pounding the ball and sort of you know letting him orchestrate. Um, but it doesn't. Ne- you're right. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. There's people who play the point guard position much differently. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think. I mean, I I wrote this somewhere, but like last year, watching him play point guard, he sort of was like shades of Russell Westbrook to me, not quite as angry and not quite as sort of like violent and visceral and, and physical, but like that was sort of what it looked like to me is, is, is sort of letting him dominate the offense like Russell Westbrook. And, um, I think that's uh, you, you sort of watch how that has played out for the Thunder, where it's uh, brought them great things and has also sort of like set a clear ceiling on on what they can do and what they can do against certain teams. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it comes down to, to how much vi- how much you're willing to risk for uh, a vision of the future, and and you know, are you willing to r- risk maybe finishing tenth or ninth in the East to um, you know let Giannis play a little more with the ball out of his hands. Maybe he tries, you know, uh, a little more of like a, a Paul George or DeMar DeRozan kind of thing where he's, you know, catching the ball off down screens at, at the elbow and coming off curls and, and, you know, making plays and creating offense from there instead of bringing the ball up and, and sort of starting from scratch. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I'm certainly not smart enough to know what's what, what would work out the best. But you can sort of you can already see these sort of trade offs, these decisions that the team's having to make, and in figuring out how they want to use him and what they're willing to give up now for for short term for short term gain and long term gain. Yeah, I think that's kind of the fascinating thing with Giannis is trying to figure out how teams will defend him and how teams prepare to play the Bucks and. And I know we, Frank and I have talked about it often, but in that kind of strange post-All-Star break time where there's only 21 games or whatever it is, and some teams are out of it and some teams are in it, and you're playing the Memphis Grizzlies D-League team and the Pacers aren't starting any of their guys, and it's just a, just a strange thing, and I'm fascinated to see how teams will We'll try to prepare for him and we'll defend him this year because, like Frank said, not a lot of teams pressured him. And then I remember, I think Scott Skiles, when he was in town, was talking about, like, oh, no, we're going to pressure him as hard as we can. Like, if you just give him this space, he's seven feet tall. He can see over the top of everything. And you're giving – it's like giving a quarterback time in the pocket. Like, you wouldn't do that. Um, so it's going to be interesting this year. I'm, I'm fascinated to see how it goes. And it's crazy to think too, like he's twenty, he's twenty one years old. Um, you know, already having all this experience under his belt, and you know, from an analytics perspective, you know, the the sort of theoretical average player hits their prime at like twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. So he's like, you know, wh- whatever we're worried about this year, he's still, you know, is maybe five or six years away from sort of being, you know, at his at his peak level of performance. 
and we'll hit the pause button there with Ian Levy. Uh, but we'll be back with part two of our conversation on Wednesday. We'll talk more about the Bucks' long-term ceiling. We'll talk about their defense and Jason Kidd. Plus, we'll look at some of the other big movers and shakers in the East this summer, including which teams might be the biggest long-term rivals in the East. So not just next year, but three, four, five years down the road. So thanks for listening, and thanks very much to SeatGeek for being our sponsor today. Remember, download the mobile app for the easiest way to buy tickets and use that promo code LOBUCKS, that's L-O-B-U-C-K-S, to get you a $20 rebate on your first purchase at SeatGeek. Talk to you soon, guys. Thanks.